Praise God for that. So we are, we're in Ephesians 4 as a church and we're jumping around and um, we're looking at God's call to His church to grow up. And if you missed last week, you should really go back and listen to that uh, because it was a good word, God's word. We just get to deliver it. And uh, encouraging us as a church from Ephesians 4 verses, well, let's just start from verse 11. So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith. Everyone say unity in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Everyone say mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become. Everyone say grow. ESV says grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And we preface that by saying, you are all ministers. God has appointed every single person here to be a minister. My job, Robin's job, Ben's job, the staff's job is simply to equip the saints for works of ministry by the grace given to us that you might go in the grace given to you. Amen? We're all ministers. And as we do that, we see the church flourish. We see the church become mature. We see it walk in unity. We see it become stable and strong as it's equipped to go out. And so the question we want to spend time pondering over the next four weeks is this idea of, okay, where do we begin? You know, if that's the end game, if the end game is this growing up in Christ, how do we begin growing? Where do we start? What does it look like for us to be a church that is growing? There has to be this point. And as a church, we talk a lot about how uh, growth, discipleship is not linear. It's not that I start here and I end here and I'm growing and I look back and think, well, I'm officially growing and fantastic. There's nothing more for me to do. No, no, we talk about the fact that growth is cyclical, that actually growth is this process whereby God is constantly working in us. We talk about belonging, believing, becoming, building, which feeds back into belonging, and it never finishes. We just constantly are growing and developing, growing into Christ, growing into the likeness of Christ until the day He calls us home and we look into His glorious face and we fall on our knees, we take off every crown and we worship. Oh, I feel like preaching now. That's the goal. Growth is not linear, it's cyclical. And so we come today to this idea of where does that cycle begin? How how do we foster growth? And I want to take us to Hosea, the book of Hosea, a different place to what some of you probably read in your quiet time. But Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 to 13 says this, Sow righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up, everyone say break up, your unplowed ground. Break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers His righteousness on you. But you have planted wickedness, you have reaped evil, you have eaten the fruit of deception. Why? Because you've depended on your own strength. You've depended on your own strength. Father God, thank You for Your Word. I pray that we would be a church that is growing up, learning what it means to depend on you, not on ourselves. 
understanding where growth begins, understanding how we move forward, how we enter this cycle of discipleship, how it is that we actually truly come to follow you. Would you speak, Lord? Would my words fall to the ground? Would your words reign supreme in our hearts and not just be something that at lunchtime someone says, what did he say again? Rather, Lord, that tomorrow, the day after, the day after, weeks, months, years from now, there's a seed that goes deep this morning, we pray, takes root and produces a harvest. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. When we think about discipleship, we think about growth, I think about music. And the reason I think about music, I don't know about you guys, but I have, uh, I have difficulty with harmony. Do I have anyone else in this room who has difficulty with harmony? Well, look at you. You're a confident bunch. We're going to test that in a minute. <laughs> See, the thing, the, thing, the thing about music is there's a melody that plays, right? There's this constant, like, we just sung that song, nothing else, nothing else will do. Like, there's a melody that's going. And some people in this room, when they hear that melody, they hear the music playing, some people, actually, all you hear is just noise. I got a friend, we had a friend back in our teaching college days who was tone deaf and she was trying to teach her receptions a song. <laughs> it was hilarious. And she was like we, like, we had to do this thing where they had to film a lesson and then you critiqued it as a group. And she was like, oh, the kids just couldn't get the song. You know, I was teaching it. And, and she was, well, I, let, I don't know what song it was, but it was just like, ha, ha. and the kids would sing back. She's like, no, that's not it. I don't know what they were doing. They just couldn't hear it. And then she realised in the critique that she's tone deaf and she actually can't sing at all. And for her, it's just noise. Anyway, that's how some people of us encounter music. Other people, they hear it. They're like, yeah, this is just this beautiful sound. But if someone asked you to to sing a harmony, you'd be like, "Uh uh-uh, nah, can't hear it. (laughs) I can't do it. And that's very much me. Like, if someone's singing next to me and they're singing a particular thing, I'll go with them. Like, if, if someone's singing that harmony. I'm like, yep, I'm with you. You know, nothing else will do. And then someone sings over here a harmony. I'm like, just moving into what there's. Oh, you're supposed to be singing that. Anyway, so my wife, I think Joe has a gift in this. She's got this beautiful gift of just, she can just hear the harmony. I'm just embarrassing her here, but she can just, it doesn't matter what song's being played, she just will hit the harmony. If she's on the piano at home, she always just bangs straight into like the black keys and wants to, she just loves the harmonies, right? And so when I first started going out with her, we were quite young and uh, there was this family cousin day and there's lots of cousins and they're all female. So it's females everywhere. And and I'm 19 years old, there's females everywhere, and we went for a walk along the beach, and they're all walking along, and one of them just starts singing a song. And I thought, right, that's how we roll in this family? Cool, we got, we're singing on the beach together. And so one of them starts singing, and then the other one just chimes in, but she's not singing what she's singing, she's singing something different, but gee, it sounds good. She's singing a harmony, I'm like, how did you do that? Like, how did you just hit that? You didn't, there was no sort of... And then hit it. It was like, bam. And then someone else starts singing. Again, different to that and different to that. Also harmony. And it was beautiful. And there's just like, all of a sudden it's like this three, four, I don't know how many parts you can have in a harmony, but everyone's singing something different. It's this glorious noise. And then Joe just gives me this sideways look and off she goes and starts singing. And I'm sitting there going, I don't know what to sing. Because everyone's singing something different. You with me? I'm like, what do I sing? <laughs> I don't know what the melody is. I don't know what the harmony is. It's, it's just... It's beautiful, but it's noise, and I can't decipher it, right? 
And this is, I think this is true when it, it comes to harmony. Some of us will hear the music and we can go, bang, there's the harmony. Who feels like that's them? You just hear music like, bam, I've got it. Who's, who is that not you? And who is just looking at me like, I don't even know what a harmony is, Dave. <laughs> Let me demonstrate. Marty, can you come up here? We're gonna... <laughs> Let's give Marty a round of applause. So Christmas choir happened. Uh, do you want to pick up a microphone? Christmas choir happened, right? And we had, we had the beautiful, like we had the people, I don't what are they called? They were the, yeah, it's called a choir. <laughs> but there were the people who sung the main bit, the, the melody, sopranos. T- sopranos. Yeah. And then we had the other girls, <laughs> altos. And then we had the guys. Yeah. And the guys had a part to sing. But, Sammy, we struggled to find the harmony. <laughs> and so, because naturally I just can't hear it. So basically there'd be like, the, the girls would start singing and then I'd just sing exactly what they're singing and someone next to me would be singing what they're singing. Martin's like, no guys, that's not what you're supposed to be singing. You're supposed to be singing this. And so then he would sing it. So Martin's got one of those ears that can hear a harmony, can hear a harmony. I don't, right? Harmony. This is a lot of pressure. This is a lot of pressure. So I've asked Marty to come up and help demonstrate this idea. And we're going to sing a song. And in the first service, we sung Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And now, right now, I'm feeling nervous because now (laughs) I have to hit the right note. Are we still doing that one again? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to do... Oh, holy, holy, holy. I don't... Oh, I'm in trouble if we do that. Maybe we should go... Let's go Twinkle, Twinkle. (laughs) Sorry, we'll just talk amongst ourselves. So we're going to go twinkle, twinkle, little star. I'm going to sing a melody. Martin's going to hold off. I want you to think about if you can hear more than the melody, if you can hear a harmony. And then Marty's going to start singing and you'll hear it, hopefully. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> that way, <I> key? <laughs> no, that's definitely not the key. Okay. It's going to be real high. A twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are up above the world. Do you hear that? Did you hear the harmony? Who heard that before he started singing? Oh, some of you. Some of you are like, uh-uh. You see, if it was the other way around. <laughs> Do you want to try it? Do you want to try it? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Let's okay. Do it. Twinkle, 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 little star. <laughs> Here you go. How I wonder what you no, are. No. <laughs> because what I... Well, I just went up the octave, I think. Sort and of. And then I realised that... Sort of. <laughs> I just sung something random because I couldn't hear it. Right? But so whenever... When, a, when music plays, there's like... There's the melody. There's something that we're just hearing that's washing over us. But within that is this beautiful harmony. Are you with me? Like it's contained within the music. It's contained within the message. There's this thing that's going on and some people just hear it. Thank you, Marty. You're standing there awkwardly. You can sit down. Just give me a round of applause. And some people can just hear it. Like some people just grab it straight away. Bam, there it is. Other people, if someone's sitting there (laughs) teaching it to us, explaining it to us, stopping the rest of the music, going, now, now, you sing this. Over time, we can grasp that, and other people just won't hear at all. Do you know, 
that's actually really similar and true when it comes to the gospel. That there's this picture that some people, they hear the word of God and it's like straight away, they just, it just resonates within them. Like we hear this, this person speaking or a friend talking over coffee or we even just open the book and start reading and something just jumps out of us, like meaning within the message. Are you with me? Like the harmony of scripture that is more than, it's more than just the words on a page. It's this life within the message. And it just resonates deep. We're like, bam, there it is. And we grasp it and we run with it. Others, they're sitting here and it's going around, but there's no, it, it doesn't land. And there's this really interesting picture of the Word of God and the Gospel and how that relates to us and discipleship and growth. And Jesus actually speaks into this in a really powerful way. Why is it that some hear it? And not just hear it, but understand it. You see, there's something about that harmony that it goes deeper than just being able to hear it. You've got to understand music. You've got to understand how music works. Someone was telling me just in the break that you've got to understand that there's like numbers, there's, there's notes, there's like five, seven even, eight something notes. And it's like if someone's singing one, you've got to sing three. If you sing one and a half, it sounds awful. I still don't understand properly. But the point is, you know, there's, there's a depth to it. And the more understanding you have, the more clarity you get the more that you'll grasp it and the more you can work with it. And so Jesus, knowing this and speaking into this in Matthew 13, says something incredible, right? So Matthew uh, records this story of Jesus by a lake. And we get this picture that Jesus has been doing ministry and a crowd has started to follow him. The crowd's getting excited about what they're singing. And some people have heard his voice. They heard, come follow me, and it lit up within them. And they left everything and they went, I'm in. They dropped their nets, they followed him and they've been journeying with him. They're the ones who sit close to him and their eyes are upon him. And there's this picture that they're with him. But then there's also these other people. There's people who have maybe taken a long service leave. They're on holidays. They've heard that this Jesus guy is in town and he's doing great things. And they're like, I want to go check this out. There's, there's something about this guy that is different. There's something about this guy that's, I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's, there's like a harmony in the things that he's saying and I want to spend time to try and learn it and grasp it. And then there's other people who are just coming for the show. They, they, they want a miracle. They want to see a miracle. They've got a need or they just love the spectacle. They love the atmosphere. So there's all these people who are following Jesus and it's, the crowd is gathered and there's Jesus sitting by a lake. And you get this picture that Jesus in sitting by the lake is looking out and around the lake it's just, this is an agricultural society. There's just farmland everywhere. And as he looks out, he sees the lake and he sees the various farms and he sees the crowd. And you get this picture that Jesus sort of is picking up the dirt and he's letting it run through his fingers and he's inspired to teach. So he hops in a boat and he paddles out to the lake so he has the natural amplifier. And he begins to speak and he says, a farmer sowed some seed. He goes on and tells this story about a farmer who threw some seed out. And some of that seed landed on a a path, a hard path. And the birds came and pecked it and 
disappeared and other seed landed on some soil, but it was shallow, it was full of rocks. And so while some life sprouted up, it very, very quickly, as soon as life got a bit tough, as soon as there was some, a different noise, the harmony got drowned out and disappeared. And then there's this other soil that's seed went in and up it came, but it was full of weeds and full of all this other gear. And so what those weeds did is they just came in and they just choked the life out of the plant. And he goes, and then there's another type of soil, which is good soil. It's soil that's ready, soil that's willing, soil that's keen to understand. The seed goes on there and it sprouts a harvest that reaps 160, 30 times what was sown. And the disciples hear him talking and the disciples come up to him and they're like, Jesus, you know, we love, we love what you do. Uh, we love the way that you teach in these kind of parables and riddles and we love the whole artisan vibe that you've got going on. It's mysterious and it's cool and all that sort of gear. But can you just tell us? Can you just explain stuff to us? Because we, we don't get it. We're not hearing what you're saying. And so with the crowd on the banks and Jesus in the boat, so the disciples must be either in the boat with him or in boats around him. He begins to explain, and in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 13, he says this, Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. Why? For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand. Everyone say understand. With their hearts and turn and I would heal them. In this moment, Jesus is saying, do you get it? And I just can't help but imagine there he is on the boat and he opens his hand and he's got a seed in it. He's like, don't you, don't you see it? Don't you understand? You see this seed? The purpose of this seed is to reproduce the very essence of the life that is contained within it. It's just a seed, but within this seed is the fullness of life. Just like that paddock over there. You see that? You see all that harvest? See that crop over there that's growing up? Don't you understand that all of that came from a single seed? He's like, and don't you see that? See that part just over there, that part of the land between that paddock and that paddock, that path there. Why is nothing growing on it? And don't you realise that the exact same seed that fell on that paddock, which is just full of like crop and it's looking amazing. The exact same seed was sown on that path. It was sown without sparing. It was just thrown everywhere and there it is, but yet there's nothing there. And, and that paddock, you see that paddock over there? That one had the same seed, the same amount of seed. It was all thrown out and yet for some reason it's brown and it's barren. And that one there, that one there, which is green and it, it, it's, it's there, but for some reason, the harvest isn't there because there's all these weeds in it. Do you see those weeds, guys? Do you see how it's choking the life out of it? He's like, this is just like the human heart. That I have a seed and there is no soil that can sprout forth life unless it's got a seed in it. 
Only seeded soil will sprout life. But not all seeded soil produces the same crop. Because some seeded soil won't bear any fruit. Some seeded soil will last for a bit and then die. Other seeded soil will grow up, but it's choked out. There's no harvest. And then there's this seeded soil, which is vibrant and full of life. He's going, this is the human condition. This is, this is true as I sit here and as I teach and there's these crowds and there's you and there's all these different people. Do you see it? Do you see what I'm telling you? The word goes out as I speak. My word is seed. And as, as I speak, as I proclaim my word, it's just like seed falling on the soil of human hearts. And the harvest, therefore, is dependent on two things. The word and the heart. The seed that is sown and the condition of the soil. He's like, there'll be people who hear this and they, the harmony resonates and they're with me. Just like you guys, he says to them. Just like you guys. You've heard the word of life and you've left everything to come follow me. And you have your ups and downs, but you've heard it. And the difference is not the seed. The difference is the soil. The difference is the soil. And I don't know about you, when I hear that within me, my heart leaps up and I say, well, God, if that's the case, if it's the same seed and the difference is the soil, how the heck do I get good soil? Anyone else? I don't know about you. I want good soil. I want my heart to be soft. I want my heart to be tender. I want my heart to be empty of the weeds and empty of the rocks. I want it to be so soft you step on it and your knee goes in. That this seed, the Word of God would just get in there and take root and bear great fruit, great harvest. That's the soil I want. So I'm like, Lord, if it's about the soil, how do I get good soil? I want good soil. I want your Word to change me and, and produce a harvest. Anyone else in this place? And this is why we're doing this Grow Up series because some people will say, you know, we, we go down this line of how do we get good soil? And you could say, oh, well, it's just luck of the draw predestination, whatever God says it's going to be is how it's going to be. And that's okay if you have that view, but I disagree with you. Because I think Jesus is teaching something here. I think he's actually calling something out in us. He's actually calling us to participate in the gospel work. And we're going to get there in a minute. How is it that we get good soil, good soil in our hearts? And the first thing that I want to point out to us is this that we actually need to learn to wait on the Word. Watch Jesus' explanation in Matthew 13 from verse 18. Listen, everyone say listen, then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message, everyone say hear, about the kingdom and does not understand, everyone say understand, it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. So they hear it, but they don't understand it. And so it's gone, right? This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. There it is again. Hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears and understands. 
This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Friends, the difference in the soil is understanding. The first person hears and it says they don't understand. There's no grasping it. The message comes, the song is being sung, but they don't understand what they're listening to. And so they don't understand and therefore it's snatched away. The second person, they hear it and there's this sense of joy, but they still don't understand it properly. Because as soon as persecution comes on account of the word, as soon as difficulty comes, as soon as my life is no longer super comfortable, as soon as other, par- other instruments are playing in the band, all of a sudden I lose the melody. All of a sudden I'm like, well, I don't, I'm going to give up on this because it's not what I thought it was. It's fundamentally a lack of understanding about who God is, how He works in the world and what His call on the church is. If you think that coming to Christ equals sunshine and rainbows all the time, you are wrong. Jesus specifically says, in this life you will have trouble. But take heart. Why? Because I've overcome the world. It's understanding. It's a lack of understanding which leads to a shallow heart. The third thing is about the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth. That's not saying you can't have money. It's just saying when money becomes more important than God. It's when you think, well, if I have X, therefore I no longer need to rely on God. There's people who have billions of dollars in this world and their heart is so soft towards God because they understand that everything I have is a gift from Him and for Him. And so God continues to pour out abundance. There's people who have $100 in the bank and they're so keen on just storing up wealth because we don't trust God to supply our need. It's a lack of understanding about who God is and how He works in the world. Are you with me? A lack of understanding. The worries of this life. Why are you so worried? Don't you understand? Look at the sparrow. Look at the flowers of the field. Far out, man. If God clothes them, don't you reckon he's got you? It's a lack of understanding that causes me to worry and stress about all this stuff and take my eyes off of him, fix them on this stuff. It's saying that the life is still there. The plant's still there. It's still growing, but it's getting choked because I'm so concerned with all of this that I've forgotten the fact that God's got me. The fourth one, he who hears and understands. It's understanding. How do we get understanding? The answer is to wait on that word. The answer is to listen, not just hear. How many in this room have been in a conversation where someone is literally talking right to you and after five minutes or ten minutes, you're looking at them with this blank stare and you've literally heard nothing? There's not enough dudes with their hands up in this place. (laughs) You know full well, brothers, that that is you. I confess, like, this happens with me quite a lot. (laughs) I feel bad, but it happens with me quite a lot because my mind is just running, doing my own thing, and Joe will literally be talking to me, and I'll get five minutes in, I'm like, babe, I'm really sorry. i got no idea what... (laughs) You're going to have to say that again because there's a difference between hearing and listening. There's a difference between someone just speaking noise at you while your brain is, is over here and actually being attentive in that moment and going, hang on, I'm just going to focus. I'm going to submit every thought. Every other thought is going away and I'm going to engage right here and listen. 
And with listening comes learning. With listening comes understanding. With hearing comes hearing. We can hear stuff, but it doesn't necessarily get in us when we listen. It's an act of humility, friends. That's what listening is. Listening is being humble enough to put my agenda aside. How many conversations do we have where someone's talking, you're in a social group, someone's telling a story and you're like, oh, I can't wait to tell mine. (laughs) Be honest. All the time. We're like, oh yeah, I can't wait to tell that story. And we actually stop listening to their story. And when we stop listening to their story, we actually stop listening to the underlying message. We won't hear the harmony because we're so concerned with just the noise in our minds. When we listen and we wait upon the Word, understanding comes. Notice the hard heart. It's sown on the path, but what happens? The bird comes and takes it away. The inference is that we're not waiting on it. It's gone. It's here and then it's gone. It doesn't have time just to settle and do what the Word does, which we'll get to in a second. We've got to learn to listen. You know, the Christmas choir with these harmony stuff, I just told you, it doesn't come naturally for me whatsoever to hear a harmony. Melody, I can pick that up. Harmony, uh uh-uh. And so what did I have to do? Thank God for Martin. He created for each group a loud part on the computer. (laughs) He like made, what's it called? Practice tracks. Thank you, Martin. He made practice tracks. So it was, the melody was quiet and then you would be like loud, which was the noise we had to do. And so what I did is for, for like weeks on end, just listen to this. Listen, 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 listen. Be attentive to it. So that when we came into the group, instead of hearing the noise, there was an understanding that no, the, the harmony had got in and all of a sudden we're in a group and we could sing the melody, the harmony. <laughs> because we'd listened. Each person had listened. Each person had waited on it. We have to learn to wait on the Word. And the reason we have to learn to wait on the Word is because we need to understand something, friends. And that is this. Only God can do what only God can do. Some of you are looking at me confused. Only God can do what only God can do. Let me give you a revelation I can't change my own heart, and yet God calls me to it. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 says, I, being the Lord, will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I, being the Lord, will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 11, 19, 20 I will give them one heart and a new spirit, and I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh. And give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. But Ezekiel 18 says, make yourselves a new heart, a new spirit. Deuteronomy 10, 16, circumcise your hearts and don't be stubborn. Jeremiah 4, break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts. Proverbs 4, 23, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. Hebrews 3, 8, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. So what one is it? 
Is it God or is it me? Does God change my heart or do I change my heart? And if God changes my heart, why does he call me to change my heart? Anyone confused? (laughs) It seems confusing at first until you understand what's going on here. We understand from the, the book of Matthew that the word is seed, but here's the thing. All through Scripture, it talks about the power of God's Word. It talks about the power of the Word of God to transform. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you hear the Word, when you listen to the Word, the Word is what does transformation. The truth will set you free. Ephesians 4, as we looked at before, what does it tell us to do? Speak the truth in love. As we speak the truth All of a sudden, that's when maturity begins to come. Live by the truth. If we read on in Ephesians, there's this charge that he says, don't behave like the Gentiles. Don't allow the confusion of your mind. Don't harden your hearts and darken your understanding. It says, no, 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 speak the truth to one another. Trust in the Word of God. The message is that the Word is both seed and plow. The Word of God is both the seed of life, that which has life in it to renew. It's also the plough which goes in and digs up our hearts. And so when the, the Word, when we wait on the Word and the Word sits on our hearts, we hear truth. What truth does is it grates at us, doesn't it? Anyone been offended by a truthful word recently? Come on. Thank you for your honesty, Ben. Everyone else, you can come and get prayer later on. <laughs> it's true. We get offended by truth. When, like, how many times in life have you been doing something, it's like a, someone you love and trust. It, like, it's different from someone just being on their truth rampage, just saying stuff out of turn. But someone speaking the truth in love, someone who knows you, has, has waited with you, has sat with you, has sought understanding, and they speak a word into your life, and you're like, what the? How dare they? How do they... How dare they speak that to me? How could they possibly say that? And six hours later, it's still churning. You're like, oh, dang it. They're right. Anyone? I'm being honest. I'm going to put my hand up. Truth offends. Why does truth offend? Why does truth grate on us? Because it's digging up the hard soil of our hearts, isn't it? There's something about the word which is both, it's both life itself, but it's also the thing that plows. And as we wait on it, as we sit with it, it itself will begin to dig and churn. It itself will begin to cause us to become dissatisfied with the status quo. I love that idea that discipleship doesn't begin when I have a profound understanding of who Jesus is. And I can recount all the mysteries of God and I can quote Psalm 150, by heart. It doesn't begin there. No, discipleship begins, growth begins, soft soil begins when some encounter with truth, maybe it's simply just a coffee conversation. Maybe it's because I opened the Word of God. Maybe it's because I saw something in someone. What it does, the Spirit of God takes it and it just goes, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, there's something about the life that I'm living that, There's got to be more than this. And in that space, all of a sudden, the seed is being set upon the soil. And we can either harden our hearts to it or we can submit to it. And we can sit there and we can say, God, only you can do what you can do. You're the one who has to soften the soil. But my effort, my work, my labor, my striving, all of that is purely about submission 
to the sower. That's what striving is. Paul says, I beat my body and I make it a slave to sin. Paul says, press on to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. Paul says, run the race with perseverance. It's over and over again, this language of striving. I strive with everything within me, but not me, but Christ in me. It's this constant language of effort. Dallas Willard, a great theologian, says, grace is opposed to earning, not effort. And what we're trying to recognise is I can't make anything grow in me. I can't cause myself to bear fruit. But what I can do is resist the things of this world. And that will take effort. And I can subject myself to the foot of the cross and say, God, I need you to do what only you can do. True maturity is not independence from God. It is dependence on God. Our world says maturity is about independence, doesn't it? We grow up, what do we do? Some of us leave home. Some of you need to leave home. Some of you need to do your own washing. The world will say maturity, as you grow, you do stuff by yourself. You stand on your own two feet. You become independent. In the spiritual sense, actually, uh, maturity is demonstrated when I realise I cannot save my own soul, only Christ can. And so therefore, maturity is learning that I am completely dependent upon the Son. And as I come and I submit myself to the Son, as I submit myself to His work, as I recognise that I am a striver at heart, I don't know about any of you, but I think the sin at the beginning of time is still going on. It's going on in my heart where I'm constantly striving. I'm constantly trying to do it my way. I'm constantly trying to earn God's favour if I'm honest. And I've got to constantly fight the flesh. I've got to constantly go, no, that's not how I, I don't earn God's favour. I just receive His favour by throwing off the sin that so easily entangles, by throwing off everything that hinders and coming and submitting, going, I am dependent upon you and you alone. And if I am to grow, you must change my heart. If I am to grow, you must be the one who breaks up the hard soil of my heart. But he'll only do it as we subject ourselves to the sower. He'll only do it as we wait on the word. He'll only do it as we come before him, acknowledging our need for him. And that takes effort. That takes effort. But the word of God is a two-edged sword, able to penetrate, dividing soul and spirit, able to get into your heart, able to get in there and go, I don't know what those sound effects were. (laughs) Definitely not farming. (laughs) That's what the word of God does. And you know, I chatted with one of the guys in this church after the first service who's a farmer. And he came up to me and said, Dave, he's like, do you know what's really interesting? He's like, actually, that, that really hard-baked soil, the stuff that's super hard to get into, do you know what's really interesting? When you can dig that up and you can churn that over, it actually has so much potential. There's actually so much richness found within it, it just needs to be broken. And then he said something really interesting. He said, and that first harvest 
isn't that great, but what the, as, as the plant grows, it itself actually does a work in the soil. It itself actually starts to break that soil up further and put nutrients back into it. It's like you, you can sow peas in soil and they sow peas purely for the purpose of enriching the soil. So the harvest actually helps the soil. And so what happens is as we wait on the word, as God does stuff, what starts with like one harvest and then becomes two and then become, we start to grow. It's not immediately, I don't just go, boom, 100, yeah. No, it begins with just this simple step of obedience. All of a sudden, where I had chosen that path, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I just chose that path. Not by might, not by power, by His work in me. But that path leads to a bit of fruit. And it actually empowers me to take the next step, which empowers me to take the next step, which empowers me to take the next step. It's God's work in me, but I have to take the step. It's the combination of listening and faith, church. Obedience, repentance, a turning from self towards God. Are you with me? We have to learn to wait on the Lord. We have to learn that only He can do what only He can do. Band, you can come up. Let me throw one last one at you as we close. We actually have to belong to community. We actually have to belong to community. Interestingly, in that Matthew passage, the soil where the seed's on and it shoots up, it doesn't say that it didn't grow. It doesn't say that it withered and died. It just says that it was choked. What was it choked by? It was choked by the things it was hanging out with. It was choked by the things around it. It was choked by the Joneses. I hope there's no Joneses in here. (laughs) Trying to keep up with them. Spending all my time looking upon them instead of looking upon Christ. Belonging to Christian community is vital for spiritual growth. Come to church. And it's not because we want numbers. It's because we want you to grow. Meet with someone and talk about Jesus. Why? Because as you wait on the Word, He will do what only He can do, which is grow up a harvest within you. He'll plough the unbroken ground. Prioritise Christian community. And as we prioritise spending time with God's people, instead of hanging out with the things that are choking us, we are speaking the truth in love to one another, exhorting one another, calling each other out. Hebrews 3, verse 12 to 13. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be any of you, in any of you, an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort, everyone say exhort, one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by deceitfulness. The inference there, in order to be exhorted, you have to be around someone to exhort you. Yeah? We have to actually be surrounded by people who will call us up and out. People who will see where we're at in life and say, what are you doing? Stop hanging out with the thorns and the thistles and the weeds. You're better than that. God's created you for more than that. Don't you realise you have the seed of life in you? Don't you realise that God has given you the very essence of life in Christ and you're created and called to do the good works that He prepared in advance for you to do, that the saints may have equipped for works of ministry? Don't you realise that's who you are? 
We've got to exhort one another. But if we're never hanging out with people who can exhort us and all they do is sing the same tune that the world's singing, we'll never hear the harmony of God breaking through into the lives of us. We're going to belong to Christian community. As we belong to Christian community, that's where we begin to see transformation in our lives because we'll exhort one another. And don't go around just being someone who says it's their job not to exhort, but to discipline everybody. Love one another. Speak the truth in love. Be there for people. Yeah, call people up to who they are, but remind them of who they are. Not what they've done. Remind them of who they are in Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. James chapter 1, verse 21 and 22 says this, Receive with meekness or humility the implanted Word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. When the Word goes out, let's obey. Let's listen. Not just hear, let's listen. Listen, wait on the Word. And take a step of faith. And watch as God breaks up the ground of your heart. Oh, you want something. All right, let's pray. You know, I feel, I feel in my heart to pray today for, for a few different types of people. The first one of those people have been in church for a very long time. And in your mind, you're like, you know what? I know everything, but where's, where's the harvest? Where's the revelation in my heart? And my encouragement to you is wait on the Word. Wait on the Word. Let God's truth. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't be like that first or second soil. Don't give up. God will plough. There's a deeper work going on. Wait on the Word. My second encouragement is to people in this place who you've got loved ones, you've got a particularly family I'm feeling, and you're like, how far from God are they? How hard are their hearts? God hasn't given up on them. The sower sows his seed. Receive it. Pray for them. Trust God. Trust His Word, that His Word can do what only His Word can do. Trust Him. Pray for Him. Get on your knees. Believe for transformation and change. Don't give up praying. Don't give up seeking His will. Don't give up speaking the truth in love. When an opportunity comes, do not cower. Walk with them, love them, but speak the truth in love. You never, ever know how powerful a word in season can be for them. It might be just what they need. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know what they're praying about. You don't know what they need. You just be obedient and let God do what only God can do. Amen? Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. Thank You for this church. Father, I pray for all of us that we would repent, turn from our ways, and depend upon You. May we abide in You. God, I pray that You would do what You want to do in our lives, that You would break up the unplowed ground that we would come to you seeking you. 
for it is time to seek the Lord. I pray that we would not rely on our own strength over and over and over again, but rather by your power at work in us, we would set our gaze upon you. We would pick up our cross and we'd follow you. That you might use us to bear great fruit in this world. Pray for each of my brothers and sisters for a strengthening right now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's spend some time worshipping our great God. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.